glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. My name's Marshall. How's it going, Marshall? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, yeah, still uh, still happy and healthy. I've managed to uh, avoid the plague, as it were. How are you doing, Tim? I'm uh, I'm keeping the plague company. Yeah, you are. I know. My, my, mm-hmm. wife, my wife recommended I wear a uh, surgical mask before we started recording, but... You know, I, my wife recommended that I do the same, and I told her I have a pop filter, <laughs> and my my pop filter is probably uh, approved by someone to stop uh, a germ or two. <laughs> a, a germ, right? <laughs> so that just about the time I start feeling better next week, we'll come back to record, and I'll and I'll revisit and get the whole illness. Yeah, because this again. is the second week in a row we're recording where you're you're under the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex yeah. and I were were talking about maybe grabbing the olive oil from the church kitchen and just you know. Calling on the elders. Calling on the elders. So that I can be forgiven of my sin and healed. Eric Walpole, where you at, buddy? Anyways. Yep. All right. <laughs> all right, so here we are today. Today we finish up the patriarchs and all of Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Yeah, that's right. All right, so what are the uh, what are the passages we're reading today? So we are essentially... Or this week. F- from Genesis uh, 30, I believe, right through to the end of the book. Through to 50? Through to 50, yeah. All right. And uh, the forest, that, that sort of big picture look that we're going to take in these this period. This is this is what we'll call the the late patriarchs. Right. So this sure. is uh, still still those early fathers who are the people of the promise that God has given to Abraham. And and this is this is something when I when I look at these late patriarchs, especially the late patriarchs in, in a couple of instances in judges. This is where we teach really heavily in Sunday school. And so people are going to recognize a lot of these names, but at the same time, when it comes to these stories affecting their spiritual walk and uh, the relationship that they have with Christ and their knowledge of Scripture, very disjointed. Sure, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of space between what we learn about these things in Sunday school and where we live as believers now. Am yeah. I wrong in that? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's, yeah, these these stories, um, oftentimes, yeah, we're very intimate with the details. Like we know them well. Um, but we don't necessarily know how to apply them to our walk. So that's that's kind of an exciting part of what we're going to get into today. Yeah, and I, I think, too, we, we put a lot of emphasis on them in Sunday school because they make for a good coloring sheet. They really do. Coat them any colors, man. That's right. You can use right. all the crayons in the box. <laughs> and that's how you determine what you're going to teach on. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. The craft. <laughs> the craft is the determining factor. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Marshall is a student at Heritage. <laughs> <laughs> I just did an art class, actually. <laughs> and, and this is what Heritage has taught him. That's right. Money well spent. That's right. I'm proud of uh, of the Feb and their seminary and the way things are turning out. Good job. <laughs> All right. So let's let's before this goes further down this spiral, yeah, please, please, let's let's back ourselves out and talk about what we came here to talk about. What are the the forest? Those main themes that we want to look at. What are the mm. main themes that stood out for you in this section? Mm. I think one of the things that's uh, kind of a recurring theme that goes through a lot of the narratives is this idea of like deception. Oh man! You like you've got you've got Jacob deceiving Esau and then his mm-hmm. father, right? You've got Jacob, well Laban deceiving Jacob, and then Jacob deceiving Laban. 
Rachel and Laban, Tamar and Judah, Simeon and Levi with the whole thing that happened down at Shechem that we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, Jacob's sons lying about Joseph, Potiphar's wife lying about Joseph. Um, and then Joseph and his brothers. I mean, it's it's a soap opera. It's literally just like intrigue and plot and deception. And it's, yeah, it's messy, messy stuff. I don't know if soap opera, I, I don't know if you could find a better word for that. Mm-hmm. Because because it is a mess. It really is. Everyone everyone lying and deceiving and 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 on the same sort of vein. When I was making notes of this, I I was reading through there and I just put on a piece of paper. Everyone's looking out for themselves. Mm-hmm. There is there is nothing about people looking out for anyone other than themselves in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy actually. The nature of mankind. Yeah, trying to trying to take on, you know, control kind of usurp the sovereignty of God and just make sure that they get theirs. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we, we talked before in last week's episode, we talked about how there is a tendency inside of humanity that we see inside of the stories of the patriarchs where people take the will of God or the promise of God and they say, okay, so God has declared that this would be so, but I must be the means to that end. And so I'm going to take into my own hands the promise of God and, and make sure that it comes about in, in such a way as, you know, sharing my maidservant with my husband in order to bring about a lineage, those kinds of things that, that take place, but they continue mm-hmm. in, in the late patriarchs as well. Uh, but it's not always this sort of thing of, you know, hey, we have the promise of God that we need to fulfill here in this sort of righteous kind of a way of like, well, uh, you know, I normally wouldn't do this. <laughs> But if this is God's will, then we must. Right. That's not exactly what's going on here. And I would even argue in those earlier bits, mm. like Sarah, Sarah doesn't sound like she's really looking out for God. Right, yeah. God has a plan and a promise that's been made to you, and we need to humble ourselves and bring about that plan however we must. Right. No, no, no. She's, she's looking out for herself as well. And, and there's just a whole lot of that, a whole lot of looking out for self, a whole lot of deception, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a rough read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the, the silver lining in, in a lot of these readings is it, there's another kind of big theme that, that I kind of drew out and that's the idea of reconciliation mm-hmm. right? as God is bringing about his plan to reconcile all things to himself. He's also, you know, in spite of, in spite of the human wickedness that exists, he's reconciling people, um, to one another. Right. So we see that you know, with Jacob and Esau, we see that with, you know, Joseph and his brothers in a really kind of moving and significant way. So that reconciliation, thankfully, is still there. It's not all, it's not all just, you know, debauchery and wickedness. Yeah. And, and to that end too, one thing, one of the things that I noticed that stood out to me is the idea of the sovereignty of God. Mm. The fact that despite all of these bad things that are being done by his people in his name, he is still bringing about his will. Yeah. And when you go back into the New Testament and you start reading the genealogies and who Jesus comes from mm-hmm. and how God used people to bring about his plan of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of mankind, mm. these names are mentioned. Yeah. Right. That we can that we can read these stories and think that is unreasonable. Right. Like there are times you look at people and you think, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. And then there are times you look at people and you just think, no, I I don't think that at any point in my flesh I could be left to make that kind of a decision. Right. Right. right? But in all of this and all of the evil and all of the awful that takes place in the end, God is not sitting there 
elbows on his knees, mm-hmm. face in his palms, mm-hmm. going, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. Yeah, he is always in control. Well, let's let's start talking about some of the, the, the trees here. Let's start talking about some of the, the things. Now, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stories that are going on oh, man. Uh, in this week's reading. So we can't really, we don't have the time to touch down on everything. Um, you know, there's some, there's some, dare we say, bizarre scenarios. There are some really compelling uh, situations as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we kind of start off with Jacob. You know, he's accumulating flocks. There's, he does the whole thing with the sticks, which is, you know, interesting. All right. <laughs> what's the What's the theological? Uh, what's the theological <laughs> significance behind <laughs> the sticks? The sticks and yeah. <laughs> So th- if you if you haven't read it yet, this is this doesn't make its way into coloring sheets. No, uh, which, yeah, you didn't <laughs> you didn't learn about this in Sunday school probably. Uh, there there are a lot of elements inside of these patriarchal stories that are just bizarre. Yeah, and and they are going to cause you in in a lot of instances. You know, I've got to go racing to the commentaries, and we've got to find out exactly what's going on. A lot of times, non-believers will use these exact stories as ways to challenge the validity. Of scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll. I've heard this one in particular used, right? Okay. So you, you can't just take two goats that are not spotted, make them look at a stick that is spotted while they are mating, and come out with a spotted goat. That's not how genetics works. Right. Right. And yet the Bible tells you that's what happened. There are some options here. Sure. Some options here. One of the options we don't want to get into is we don't want to get into just explaining away everything. Sure. Um, in such a way that we become afraid of really looking into answers. If God is truth, then as you seek truth, you will find God. Right. If if seeking truth leads you somewhere other than God, then God is not truth. Mm. And so we do not have such a frail faith. Mm-hmm. That we would say, no, 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 bury our heads. We're not going to look into it. We're not going to be curious about those kinds of things because they will lead us away from God. Right? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, there, there are a number of things that could be happening here. It could be that God gave him something and said, you know, in a message, hey, this is how I'm going to provide for you. You have been faithful mm-hmm. and you have been lied to. And you are the child of my promise. And I'm going to bring you up out of this in order to carry on your name and my promise. And this is the way we're going to go about it. Yeah. And that conversation not recorded in Scripture, but the effects of the conversation recorded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Plausible. Yeah. Right? It's plausible that he was doing this because that was the science of the time, and that's what he believed was was causing this thing to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not at all what was affecting their genetics. But God moved the genetics in that way mm-hmm. so that he would be able to equip the people of his promise to go out and finish the work that he has begun in them. Yeah. Right? So there are a number of things to read in this. When we when we read something like that, we don't have to just assume that there was something of, of this archaic fallacy, historic or scientific fallacy that's being propagated by scripture that we're all to believe. That's not what's taking place at all. Right? He's telling you this is what happened, this is the outcome. The Bible moves on. Mm-hmm. We should too. Descriptive, not prescriptive. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for those who are involved in, times over. in goat breeding, anyways. Right. Um, okay, great. So, yeah, so Jacob, you know, he cu- accumulates his flocks and he returns to the promised land. Th- there's this amazing episode where uh, Jacob wrestles with God, um, which is really kind of something significant. And and you know, 
this story and, and kind of what is said and what is happening has been taken in a lot of different theological directions, many of which are probably not faithful to um, what is actually meant to be read. But I, I just, I love Jacob's um, comment, you know, as he's clinging to this man that he's been wrestling with all night. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And and I don't know, you know, I'd be hesitant to, to, to teach on, on that because I don't know exactly how to unpack that, but there's just something so compelling about his clinging in that, in that situation. And I just found it compelling. I don't know. Yeah. And, and we talked about this before we started recording and, and I didn't bring it up then because I didn't think of it. Um, but just out of curiosity, does he receive anything in that blessing that wasn't already given to him? A new name, I guess. A new but name? Not, yeah. But that's but, not what he asked yeah, for. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 He already had the blessing. He Yeah, he did. He had the blessing. The promise has, has been made generations before him. Right. Right? This was already God's plan unfolding. Uh, I, I've seen people use this as a as you know tutorial this is how you go about it prayer of jabez kind of thing right that uh you you are to wrestle with god and and you're welcome to say to god you know i'm not going to give up until you bless me and Mm. and that's going to uh that's going to finally wear god down to the point that he will bless you Mm. uh when he shows that yeah i I don't know i i kind of go back and forth on this story i think Mm. there's a lot of, like you said, really compelling stuff. I do believe that we wrestle with God. I think the psalmist shows us there's a healthy way to wrestle with God and to struggle with him. Christ himself, as producer Alex was saying earlier in the show prep, right? Yeah. At, the, at the garden, he does a very similar kind of wrestle with God. Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, and then that is a healthy and a good thing. Would I tell someone, hey, you want to be blessed? Here's what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a danger. You there. go and you grab God by the proverbial ankle and you don't let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that's what's being taught there. Again, you're going to be reading it this week. Read through it. Uh, let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, but but that's just not what I see there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, and then so we get to Joseph, right? Who takes up, uh, you know, the story of Joseph kind of takes up the bulk of of the the weekly reading, and mm-hmm. and Joseph, you know, he's he's a very very interesting character. And, uh, you know, one of the things that at the outset of his his narrative is this whole thing where, you know, people have kind of used the story of how he tells his dream to his brothers. People have kind of said that that's, you know, that's a a warning against boasting or or something like that. But, you know, you had kind of made an interesting point uh, in the prep as well regarding that. Yeah. So I would say you you mentioned earlier the difference between prescribed and described uh, elements of the scripture telling us this is what we ought to do and or telling us this is what was done. I think I would apply that to the last, the Jacob wrestling with God. It's, okay. it's arguably maybe be a, a description and not a prescription. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and to this as well. Okay. Right? That that here we are uh, watching watching this guy who's had a couple of dreams. And, and you know, I, I grew up hearing in, you know, Sunday school, and, and I've heard in multiple sermons, uh, the way that it, the way that, we take this as we just realize that's not the best idea. Mm. How many of us have ever gone to someone and said, hey, guess what? I had a crazy dream last night. You want to hear about it? Mm. My wife every morning, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it comes to me. <laughs> we, I never remember my dreams. Either. We do that, right? When we have a crazy dream, we remember it. Yep. And we bring it up to people and we say, huh, 
got this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Did he go into that saying, this is something that God has prophetically told me is going to come about and I'm going to flaunt it in front of your face? I I don't know that the the text is telling us that. Mm. And, and I would also say that uh, the scripture here, we, we're not moralists, right? That's something that I think Christians need to really grapple with, is that Christianity is not moralism. And, and that is to say that sometimes what happens in Christianity is, is we are accused because most religions are moral codes and reasoning behind moral code for the sake of manipulating behavior of people. Because, because people say to us, well, you're just another moral code or you're just another religion, we sort of fall into accepting that and living in such a way that, we, that our faith really becomes nothing more than another moral code, another standard of, of how we choose to live, what we choose to do and not do. Hmm. And so we try to read moral code into everything inside of Scripture. Right. What was wrong and what was right and how do I do what was right and not do what was wrong? And that's not what's happening here. Again, this is a, a description of how God played out the events that would lead to, eventually, the atonement of mankind by Christ on the cross. Yeah. And this is a record of events, not a lesson in what to do and not to do. The yeah. lesson inside of all of Scripture, if we want to take the idea of the trees and the forest that we use every week, and we want to zoom all the way out to see the whole planet, mm. and you want to see the entire planet all together in one big shot— the planet is this. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do, except that you trust in the gift of grace that Christ offers to us. Amen. That is the planet shot. Yeah. Right? So to teach us little moralisms along the way of, of right behavior and stuff like that, right behavior in Christian morality is an effect of the redeemed heart. Right. Not a means to a redeemed heart. Right. Right. And so I, I, I just don't see that there's fault to be laid on him for sharing his dreams. Sure. They get upset and they call him out for it. I don't think that I think in this we would have to look and say he's wrong for saying I had a crazy dream and they're right for being angry about his dream. And I don't think we're supposed to see either one of those. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Joseph has kind of this crazy roller coaster ride while he's in Egypt. Right. I mean, Joseph is, is kind of one of these characters who, you know, you know, in comparison to, you know, his father, grandfather, great grandfather, you know, he's he tends to kind of have a pattern of righteousness, I would say, in, in comparison to to his forefathers. Right. And yet, even though he he continually is doing the right thing so often, he's he's kind of getting burned by it. It's kind of actually it made me actually think as I was reading through it, brought me back to. Uh, Job and the whole kind of retribution law, right? Like good things should happen to good people right. and bad things should happen sure. to bad people. Well, this guy sold into slavery, you know, through no fault of his own. He's he's accused of of rape, even though he's he's completely innocent, and then goes from being you know a servant to being in jail. Um, you know, there there's no guarantee in this life that you know righteous actions and decisions will guarantee, um, you know good outcomes, at least in the short term, right? Something that never crossed my mind until uh, till this read-through. Just to put you on the spot, do you remember who it was that uh, shared with the king that, uh, that there's this guy in prison who could tell dreams? It was the cupbearer. The cupbearer. And what does the cupbearer do all day long? He drinks. 
I don't know. <laughs> he he sits <laughs> he sits, he sits at the banquet of the king, sure. the the table of the king, and, yeah. and eats the food and drinks. So he he sits at the table of the king yeah. and shares every meal. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as our boy is promoted for correctly reminding the, remembering the dream, we have a very awkward situation. This man who for years has forgotten his buddy who said, hey, I'll interpret your dream. Just remember me in the end. Right. Right. They're having meals together. That's true. That's They're good. having meals together multiple times a day, every day. Must have been awkward. And you wonder how many times there was just sort of walking in with a little like, hey. It's like they, they're the first two to show up to the table before everyone else is there. Right. There's this awkward silence. Right. Oh, right. man. Remember, you... remember me? <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's true, though. That's true. Yeah. It, oh, it, that is assuming he remained the cup. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, man. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, okay. So we, we kind of, so, so we already talked about how, you know, ultimately, you know, Joseph threw, um, you know, God graciously giving him the ability to interpret these dreams is elevated. And then comes, you know, kind of this, this scenario that there's a famine in the land and guess who comes looking for food? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the guys who kind of ditched him in a pit and then sold him into. Right. It's slavery. a fantastic story. It, it really is. Like it's, it, it makes, yeah. Anyways, it would make for great TV. Going back to the soap opera analogy, I'm just well, saying. Well, it, it did make for a. Oh, there play. was, yeah, like a, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Technicolor Dreamcoat. Come on, this is Stratford. Don't you know your theater? <laughs> <laughs> they haven't run that one in recent years. They should do it again. That'd be great. Yeah. So, so there's there's that, and th- and then it wraps up. Ultimately, mm. it wraps up with bringing to a close the period of the patriarchs. Yeah. Right. So the close of Genesis is the end of the patriarchs, and I think it's fascinating how the patriarchs end. That it ends with a people sojourning. In a foreign land. Yeah. God has, God made a promise to one man, come with me and I will take you to the land that I will give to you and I will make of your people a great nation. And it ends outside of that land. Not that they haven't arrived yet, but that they've gone and left. Right. Because God has called them away. And it ends with none of this having come to, come to pass. Yeah. And then there's this massive break where they are in, they're going to end up enslaved for uh, 400 years. And there's this huge space between all of the patriarchs and the actual movement into the promise of God, where God seems to be very intentionally creating a space Yeah. to say this was not, this was a promise made to these people. This was not a promise accomplished by these people. Yeah. This is who they were. This is what they did, full stop. Yeah, yeah. Now that all of them are gone and even forgotten by the history of the local people, Mm -hmm. we'll move into the Exodus. Right, just to underline the fact that he's the one doing it. Right. Right, which is, well, I don't want to get too much into Exodus, but that's kind of made clear pretty, pretty early on. Right. Yeah, no, I, I just, I love the way, I love the way that the book of Genesis wraps up. I mean, this whole discussion, you know, after Jacob dies um, and the brothers come to Joseph and they're afraid, right? They're afraid that, you know, Joseph was just kind of um, playing nice 
you know, because of his, his father still being around. And they kind of, I think they, I think they're lying. Like they make up this situation. It's, oh, well, you know, our father said that, you know, you had mm-hmm. to be nice to us still. And, and he, he has this little speech, right? And he just says, you know, like what you meant for evil, God meant for good, mm-hmm. right? In the midst of, of your evil and selfish actions, God was working um, in amazing ways that, that, that no one could have ever foreseen. Um, you know, he, God uses the unrighteous acts of people in order to bring about his plan to preserve that people of promise. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we were talking about things like, like, okay, so the trees and the goats, and, and I think there are a number of things inside of these stories that, that we, we can make jokes at, we can pick at and, and we can, uh, we can laugh at, but ultimately people want to know, well, then how am I supposed to read this? This is still the word of God Mm. breathed and preserved for all time for me to understand as a revelation of himself. We're not, we're not making light of it in such a way as to say that this is not valuable for teaching and rebuke and, and all of the things that scripture are valuable for, right? But people want to know what do I do with these stories? Yeah, and and I just made a quick note of some of the the funny elements of these things that stand out to me. They're funny, not in in sort of like the ha ha way, but funny as peculiar or bizarre. Mm. Uh, so we mentioned the the genetically altered uh, altering trees uh, on the goat farm. <laughs> we have babies that are partially born and then drawn back, right, and then born again in a different order. Where yeah. They wrestle one another through the birth canal and fight their way out uh and we have we have uh what are what are some of the other interesting things that we had talked about taking place in some of these stories oh the the wrestling with god and and whether or not he knew that it was actually god that he would wrestle with him then you have the whole thing about the tendon and not eating the tendon but who eats tendons really there's simeon and levi the simeon okay Simeon and Levi, great story. Okay, and it shows up as almost like this little blip inside of the story of Joseph. Yeah, it's just almost like, like, oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Yeah. I better write it down before I forget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Simeon and Levi, you know, their their sister is seduced by a Canaanite, and so they come up with this ruse and say, okay, you know, we'll we'll let you marry her, but you know, all the men of the village have to be circumcised. And these guys actually go along with it, which is crazy. I mean, only one guy's getting a wife out of this deal, but the whole, <laughs> but all the dudes in the village are like, "Sure, we're down." And this this is a tight. You think you have a tight group of friends? Yeah, man. You don't. Ride or die, bro. This it's guy. A, this guy. Shechem, <laughs> these guys in Shechem, they were tight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, that that tightness, that that unity. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, ended up costing their lives because Simeon and Levi go in when they're all, you know, hurting the day after. No, 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 no. Three days. The, the three Bible days says, later. You're three right. days later while they were still in pain. That's how the NIV says it. Oh, man. I, I wrote it down. I needed that quote to be accurate. Three days later while they were still in pain. Oh, man. Yeah. So. Anyways, and then like the crazy thing too is like J- Jacob's response. He's he's not upset at the murder per se. He's just more upset that like people are going to you know maybe have an issue with it. Like he he's 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 concerned that this like episode might put him at odds with the people around. He, that his boys are picking fights that they might not be able to um, uh, back up later on. So it's just so funny. Like it just and and then and then you know the, and the boys are like, well, we you know are we to allow our daughter to be treated like a prostitute. And then it just ends and moves on and there's no real. Yeah. 
conclusion. Right. It just, it, it happens. It's just, it's just a, a thing, thing that, that it happens. And, and one thing that you, when you were saying that, one thing that I want to point out to people to, to look for when they're reading this week and reading about all the madness and all these crazy things that people are doing in that, how many times is the word sin used? And how many times do does anyone in the conversation recognize this as a fault against God, right? Mm-hmm. Job spends a lot of time talking about, you know, sins against God and all of that sort of thing. And, and sins against his creation is a sin against God and, and all that kind of stuff. But in the patriarchs, they don't even see it that way. Mm-hmm. They're just doing life. They're just doing their thing, yeah. And, uh, but, but anyway, all of that, all of this bizarreness and everything, how, how then am I supposed to read it? What am I supposed to do with, with all of this? I think that it the entirety of how I'm supposed to read this is summed up in that statement that you gave um, from from Joseph, right. right? What 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 man meant for evil, God is going to mean for good. Mm-hmm. And he is going to take all of this madness and all of this just just madness is the best word. Mm-hmm. All of this madness that he's going to take it and he's going to use it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's God and he can. Yeah. And this is his plan. Yeah. And it, it's so helpful to be able to look at the madness of our world. Be like, what if what if you're from a church where you have an elder that failed? Yeah. Does that mean we walk out on faith? Does that mean that God's plan is no good? Does that mean God doesn't exist? Right. No. Mm-hmm. What if what if you trusted your pastor and you found out that your pastor's human? Yeah. And your pastor sinned in a grievous way that you never would have sinned. You mm-hmm. yourself never would have sinned. Does that mean that the message he spoke to you from Scripture is untrue? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No, God is still God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he uses broken people yeah. to bring about a good and holy promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The it's, restoration of all creation. Yeah. And he. This is, this is his model, right? I was, you know, just kind of in closing— just in closing, I just kind of was re- reminded of, of Peter's words um, at Pentecost when he's talking to the people about Christ and about what happened. He says that Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Right? And so... Like this is, in on one hand, it's it's evil people who are who are doing this. The, the betrayal of Christ and the indignities that he suffered, you know, were were done by evil and wicked people, but God was able to bring it about for good, and mm-hmm. that is that is just the good news. And um, so I hope that you know, reading these stories in Genesis, um, that we be reminded of that. Yeah. Any any highlights before we close out? Um, one, one kind of highlight that, that, that stood out to me and you might, you might find this funny. I, I, I love the stories with the, with the crying dudes. Like, oh yeah. 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 Like Jacob and Esau, when they're reunited, they cry. And Joseph, when he sees Brent, Benjamin, he runs out and cries. And then when they're all reunited, like I, Tim knows this about me. Like I, I, I just, I'm a bit of, I cry. I, I'm, I'm terrible about that. I, a good commercial and I'm done. Yeah. I'm crying. Yeah. I'm a little bit weepy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it just it was just nice to know that like you know, you know, big strong you know Esau, Hunter, is still crying. Here's here's a warning for you. For those of you who don't know, Marshall has a little baby girl. I do. He's still in those those 
being woken up in the night sort of <laughs> years. She's pretty good. She's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And uh and so when I when my kids were that age, uh not that I'm 50 years older than you, but close. Uh <laughs> but but when my kids were going through those age and I had newborn kids, I found myself all the time crying in my own sermons, like like not constantly, but maybe maybe like once every other month, I would be really on a roll, really preaching and bringing it, and I would be so stirred that I would find myself tearing up and and even cry. And and I thought, man, I'm an emotional preacher. And so this, like, this all started right when I was first doing the the preaching all the time, right? right like forty five right. plus weeks in a year. Mm-hmm. And and so I just like that's kind of who I am. But now that my kids are sleeping through the night, I realize I don't cry in my own sermons <laughs> nearly as much as I used to. You were just sleep deprived. <laughs> I think I think in part that was it. I'm not nearly as emotional about the things that or maybe my sermons are that much less moving. I don't know. Uh, I my sermons have just fallen backwards and uh, <laughs> even I don't care about them anymore. Oh. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, I think the highlight for me is, is oftentimes we're going to find through the rest of scripture that God will be referred back to mm-hmm. as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and, and one thing that stood out to me this time reading through and, and listen, the, the point of this is not to keep pushing down the patriarchs and saying, weren't they awful people? Weren't they awful people? Yeah. Uh, but we do not need to put them on a pedestal. Uh, sometimes we like to, because the New Testament does it, we feel more space to jump on board and say, isn't it crazy that God would take these fishermen and, and do such amazing things through these fishermen and they were uneducated men and all that kind of, that's always been the case. Mm. You'll see throughout this whole book that God is going to constantly, constantly use people that are unqualified. Yeah. So that he gets the glory. My, we're, we're a long ways away from it, so I'll go ahead and bring it up now. My favorite is the calling of Saul, right? Right. right? We want a king. We need a king. You have God as your king. Why do you need a king? No, we want a king. God says, give him a king. They go out and they find this guy who was in charge of the donkeys, and he lost them. <laughs> He can't keep up with his dad's donkeys. And he's wandering around the desert looking for the donkeys. And they say, Samuel says, fine, this guy is going to be your king. And everyone in the crowd, no one says, whoa, whoa, whoa. The dude can't even farm donkeys. How's he going to manage the kingdom? No, they all cheer. They're like, he's tall. Yeah. That's what they say. He's tall. How exciting we have a king. He's always using people that have no reason being used mm. because this is about his glory and not about mankind. Mm-hmm. And when the Bible says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not God validating himself by saying even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appreciated me. Right. And I am validated by their worship of me. Mm. No, it's, it's an exact opposite. It's about saying... The God who promised these things to these men, even these men, Mm. is the God that we still hold our faith in and the God that we are trusting in. And that promise is the promise that we are resting in, the promise made to them. And and, and I thought that was um, an an interesting thing that I had not seen before that I think is going to change the way I read that phrase from here on out. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, well, we're we're what three, four weeks into the reading at this point, so I hope everybody is hanging in there and holding out strong. 
Uh, Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Thanks again for listening. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. Have a good week, everybody. See you later.